Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. Here in Freiburg, we are rapidly approaching something that looks a lot like normal. So even restaurants are opening up as soon as next week. I think throughout Germany, it's mostly outdoor seating only, but here in Freiburg, indoor seating is also going to be allowed. And I've even read that soon gyms and different sporting places will be opening back up. So yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot of normal things that we are technically now allowed to do. That said, should we be doing them? Just because we can doesn't mean we should, but should we? Should we not? I talked about this on Instagram this week, which little plug here, if you're not following on Instagram, I'm at the expat cast. <laughs> and what I was saying there is just how difficult this moment is because a couple weeks ago, the government rules and regulations were in place and it was really clear what we could and couldn't do, right? These were the rules. We had to follow them. It wasn't always easy. We didn't always like them, but but we knew what we should be doing. But now it reminds me of at the beginning of things. So back in early and mid-March when, when we knew that things were bad, but governments weren't necessarily stepping in to regulate things. So it was a lot of individual decisions about what is right and what is wrong. And that was difficult because not every individual agrees. So it was really a true relief when the government stepped in and said, OK, no, here's the lines. And then we could all unite behind them. But I do remember for a while it was really uncomfortable and unclear who was being totally outlandish and, and going way too far with this thing and who was not being outlandish enough and not taking it seriously enough. And I feel like we're back in one of those moments. So it's it's exhausting, but it's also really nice. I mean, I'm really enjoying the things that I'm doing, like meeting up with more than one friend, like being with three people feels so good. <laughs> So I don't know about you, but I'm filled with a constant sense of relief and happiness and also dread and fear. <laughs> and it's it's a lot to figure out. So this brings me to the Google form that I set up. You may remember me mentioning it a while back, but basically, if you're someone who's having a hard time keeping up with what is and is not allowed in your town because all of the local news is in German, you can sign up through this Google form and basically say, hey, I need some help understanding what's going on. On the other hand, if you are competent in German, if you're a translator, you can also volunteer. And then what happens is I get both of those forms and I connect those two people so that they can communicate directly. So if you want to find that form, I'll link to it in the show notes or you can go onto Twitter. I'm at the expat cast there and it is my pinned tweet. So you'll find it really quickly. Now to today's episode. I am so excited to have Brandy on the podcast. Brandy is someone that I actually met through Instagram. I basically saw that there was this cool person posting about their preparations to move to Germany. And then I realized, hey, wait, this cool person is preparing to move to Freiburg. So when she got here, we met up and it was so great to get to know her. But Brandy ended up actually moving back to the States. So my excitement about having Brandy on the show is twofold. One, it's because it's Brandy and she's super cool. And two, it's because this is a topic I've been wanting to take on for so long because expats and people who are drawn to expat blogs and podcasts, etc., they're not the same. Every story is different. A lot of people aren't even expats who are drawn to these topics. They might be dreaming of it or planning on it, or maybe they once were expats. And the thing about being an expat is it's not exactly an identity you just leave in the airport. Like you get off the plane and it stays there. You pick up your bags, but you leave the emotional baggage behind. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> and the way that expats decide to leave and go back to their home country varies vastly as well. The topic that I wanted to take on was 
when leaving isn't necessarily the thing you wanted and, and how that feels to be making that choice. I think in the expat community, in blogs and podcasts, etc., I mean, of course, we're focusing on the time when people are active expats, but that isn't a full view of the whole scope of the thing. And sometimes I think we just don't talk enough about how this life isn't right for everyone at every moment. And that's not to say it's a mistake. I think that things can be not right and also not a mistake. I think that's a gray zone that a lot of us have encountered in life. And Brandy is here to share with us hers. So let's give it a listen. My name is Brandy Spathy. Right now I'm living in Las Vegas and I've been here since March 3rd. But before I went to Germany, I was living in Los Angeles. I was there for six years. And then you know, I'm originally from Indiana. And then I went to grad school in California and stayed there for almost 10 years. We were so lucky as to encounter each other when you were in Germany. But how did Germany come into the picture and what brought you there? Well, yeah, it was funny. Um, I really enjoyed my work life in LA. I just had no social whatsoever. It just felt very difficult to break into that. So one of my long, long friends, she got stationed in Germany in Wiesbaden as part of the army. It gave me the opportunity to go visit. It was the first language that I, I started to learn when I was in seventh grade. It just, Germany's always kind of had a place in my life. But my family on both sides, my mom and my dad are German. So I was like, oh, this is exciting. I'm at a point in my life where I have a career that affords me enough money to like go to Germany and visit for not just a week, but I spent like an entire month there at one point. And so over the course of two years, starting in 2017, I went to Germany four times to visit my friend and just to travel around. And I loved it. I loved how beautiful the landscapes were. I loved visiting. I loved like the little towns. Those were my favorite uh, after living in Los Angeles for so long in this giant metropolis. I was very attracted to that. And yeah, so I, I was like, okay, I'm living in LA and I haven't been happy for a while and I'm visiting Germany and I love it there. And I started making friends there when I visited who were German and there were a few people who were like, why don't you just move here? You know, it <laughs> seems like you're ready for an adventure like this. And I was like, huh, I guess it's not unheard of. And I am, I'm ready for an adventure right now. I'm like 34. And at the time I decided that I was about 32 I'm going to start saving up some money and just have this adventure. And I, I've always wanted to learn the language and really learn it. And I was like, it just seems like the best way to do that is to go and take an intensive course. So I just started putting the pieces together once I, I decided that this is the point where I want to make a big change. I don't want to be, you know, 60, 70, 80 and go like, oh, I had this opportunity back then. And I was thinking about it and I turned away from it. So now I'm just going to do it. Yeah. When you'd been visiting Germany, I mean, you spent a lot of time here then, and it was like vacation, so you were able to, to travel around. Did you see like all of it? <laughs> I saw a lot of Germany. So when I went right out undergrad, I was with my father, who's stationed in like Ludwigsburg, right outside of Stuttgart. And so we traveled a lot of uh, Baden-Württemberg at the time. So we went to Tübingen, we went to, um, I don't think we made it to Heidelberg that time. Um, I went to Ulm. So when I came back and started visiting my friend, it was in Hessen and also the Rhineland Flats area. And then I've been to Berlin, the east side. The only part, and I've been to Munich, 
I haven't spent hardly any time in East Germany and I haven't been to Hamburg, but yeah, I hit up a large portion of the country, more than a lot of my German friends yeah. who are like, oh, I have at these places. And I'm like, what? Your country's <laughs> not been there. <laughs> That's so cool though, because yeah, I mean, it genuinely is more of the country than most people who live here see. And, and then when you're making this decision to move over, you have a totally different perspective because it's not just you have a friend in Wiesbaden, so you're moving to Wiesbaden. It's like, I mean, I guess that's one option, but you also have an overview of the, the almost the whole place and then you can kind of go from there. So did you did you consider moving to different places or how did you decide where exactly to, to come to? What's funny is um, I was working, one of my jobs in LA was at a WeWork with shared offices. And so there's a lot of businesses in there. And the Goethe Institute of Los Angeles was literally down the hall from where I was working. They were in like the same little hallway and I would walk past their offices and I was like, oh, I should ask them questions about the Goethe Institute because I want to learn German. And so this woman from Baden-Württemberg gracious allowed me to have lunch with her and talk to me all about the programs. And, and I was like, you know, I was, and I had been to Heidelberg a couple of times and that's where I was, I was looking to go, but the program there wasn't really lining up. So I was like, hey, what do you suggest? And I honestly knew nothing about Freiburg. I didn't know like much about the Black Forest other than hearing the name Black Forest. Yeah. Or but when she told me that and put it on the map and the way she sold it to me was like, what, what, what kind of things are you looking for? I was like, I want a smaller town. I want like a nice natural landscape where I can explore kind of natural settings. I like college towns. It just hit every box. And she was like, you know, it's kind of a place of free spirits and there's a lot of hippies there and so yep. <laughs> no further questions. <laughs> I, know, I was like, I really like the opportunity to meet people who are studying various things. And so, yeah, that's what drove me to, drew me to Freiburg. I, I just was tired of big city life. And coincidentally, uh, most of the people in my class who we asked that question, why this Goethe, almost 70 to 80% of them were like, because I wanted a smaller town. So you had the idea of diving into the language and you wanted to take that leap that you'd kind of been toying with, with all your visits to Germany, Freiburg and the Goethe Institute all came together. Were you expecting this to be a year long adventure or more of a semi-permanent move? Or like, what was your outlook when you packed up your bags and moved yourself over here? Well, I got rid of everything. I was like, I'm moving there. Like, this is going to be my life. I'm going to move here and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to first learn the language, then start looking for jobs teaching English. Because in LA, I was teaching at a university, both academic and creative writing. So I was like, okay, I've been teaching for seven years. I have a handle on what that entails. So as far as I was concerned, I was going there to stay. Within the first month of taking the intensive course in Freiburg, I was supposed to go back to Frankfurt after that one month. But I met these wonderful people in my class and two of them, one was from Spain, one from Japan. And they were like, oh, we're both taking the next one for another month. Brandy, you should stay. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, yes, yes, I should. <laughs> the class was six people. We just spent, we like went on little trips together and we really bonded. And I just couldn't imagine like, these are my new people. Like I can't yeah. leave them yet. So <laughs> after the first month and then halfway into the second one, I really started to think like, I think Freiburg is where I want to stay. I actually think this is where I'm feeling comfortable. So that decision to stay in Freiburg was cultivated by just the experience of being in a language school and meeting people in the town, including yourself, who just made me feel like there is a sense of community here that feels warm and comforting and, and that 
that's what I was seeking in, you know, in LA. And that's why I came to Germany because it seemed like a place where people really spent time with one another. I made a joke with one of my German friends. He actually came to visit me in California for the first time when he was visiting. And I was like, oh, people here, they cancel plans all the time. You know, it's like 50% of the time they will cancel plans. And he's like, I don't understand this. Why do they have, they, because they find better plans. And I started laughing like, no, because they want to sit at home and watch television. And he just, that was insane. <laughs> so when you first got here, it sounds like things were working pretty, pretty well. How would you describe your first sort of phase? Well, honestly, the first night I arrived, this was July 25th. I arrived in Mainz first. It was 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh I don't know what that is in Celsius still. I ended up in this hotel room with no air conditioning, and I didn't consider this. And I had my cat with me. She and I are in this sweltering hotel room. And then a friend of mine from LA was happened to travel through Europe that, and she met me there. So the three of us are in this sweltering hotel room and I immediately regretted my decision. I was like, <laughs> what am I? I'm, I'm jet lagged, exhausted. I didn't sleep on the plane. I have like three suitcases to my name right now. My cat is like panting in the corner. She's like, why did, what are you doing? <laughs> why is it a hundred degrees in here? The hotel gave us like the saddest little fan ever. I had to go back down and say like, do you have another one that works a little better? Because it was on its way out. So I was like, wow, I don't know if this was the right decision. I really am having a, a kind of breakdown about this. Like I cried a little. I called, like texted my mom. You know, I was yeah. just like, what am I doing? So I, I get to Freiburg. I, I get settled into an Airbnb with this wonderful man named Bendelin. He's 60 and he's like one of those OSHA uh, people who just very free spirited. And he immediately like welcomed me, made me food and just, I was like, okay, I'm feeling better now. I got some sleep, I'm in a comfortable place. It was like in this beautiful neighborhood overlooking a vineyard. I could walk and ride a bike to school, which was unreal to me. I can ride a bike here and I could, it, the breeze in my hair on the way to school in the morning was just, bliss from that first day to maybe the first week was night and day I was like okay I feel good I'm glad I'm here I'm meeting these great people and I love that my class had representation from all over the world we had somebody from Australia somebody from Spain somebody from Japan the UK Russia all different ages and backgrounds this is this is why I came here the beginning was fantastic the first two months, I would say, were the best because I really hit a stride. And going to class four and a half hours every day, you know, and spending all this time with these people, it, it was a very purposeful time. Yeah, it sounds like one of those cool moments in life where you decided you wanted to do something. The thing was kind of wild and big and a risk. And yet, okay, at first, not so great the first, like, 24 hours. But, but yeah, then you got there and it sounds like you were living the life that you had hoped that you would be able to when you when you set out initially. So I guess phase two would be doubts. So when did you start to doubt if this was working for you? So I was in the Airbnb for a month and I found, you know, everybody in town is helping me navigate the horrible rent situation that is Freiburg, which yep. everybody, every time I would mention I'm looking for a place, oh, I'm so sorry, I will, I will keep an eye out. Everybody was actually very very kind about that. And so I managed to find for the first month an Airbnb that would allow me to have a cat. And then I found a vegay with two students who were renting out a room for two months. 
And I was like, okay, well, you know, it's something. I, it's not as long-term as I was hoping because at that point I already decided. And it was, it was a great place. I lived there for the two months and then the two months ran out and I was like, okay. And I ended up back at the initial Airbnb again, just to continue looking for a place to live. And after about a week or so, the neighbors upstairs had a small child and they had been gone all summer. So when I stayed there before, there was nobody up there. And so every morning I was just getting woken up really early and it was very loud and disruptive. And my mental health was already starting to feel a little bit pressured by the circumstances because I was like, okay, I don't have a place to live and I don't have job prospects yet. And I'm just now getting a grasp on the language. So what was happening was I was juggling major things all at the same time. Like, where am I going to live? Where am I going to work and earn money? Because I have a budget and that budget is only sustainable for self. And I also want to figure out if, you know, I'm going to stay here or if I'm going to travel and go and maybe live in other places. So I had to leave the Airbnb early because it was just, I was not getting good sleep and it was really starting to cause me to decline quickly. And so I ended up staying at the Goethe Institute's guest house, which I couldn't have my cat there. So I had to like ask my very lovely new German friends who I live with, can you watch my cat for me? So long story short, it was just like this juggling of places my stuff just ended up scattered all over the country. I had a suitcase at a friend in the Frankfurt area. I had another one in Peter Oberstein holding another suitcase for me. These people have my cat. It, I was just like, okay, I'm still pulled apart quite literally yeah. <laughs> in this place. I decided, okay, I'm going to go home for Christmas just to take a break. And so once I was there, I was reassessing things and trying to figure out how much am I willing to fight continue fighting this battle that seems to be a losing one right now. So I came back in January with a fresh start. I was like, okay, got an Airbnb in Freiburg again. And I was like, I'm just gonna try to find a room. And and I had met people who taught like Carl Schutz house in Freiburg, which is like a German American Institute. They offer English classes. And that seemed to be like the leads were looking promising in January. So when I decided to go back to the US, it was really a point where I just could not find a room to rent. I found one that was just too expensive and it was very, very noisy. I was like, I'm not spending a lot of money for a noisy place. And then I found one that was amazing with these two girls and they just weren't agreeing on whether or not they wanted to rent the room. It was miscommunication. Like I showed up, they were like, oh, we're not sure yet. And I was like, oh man, it just kept getting more and more devastating because I, I would get a nice lead and I would feel good about it. And I was checking all the websites for rooms pretty religiously. And it just was a bad time. I remember having a conversation with one of my friends and I was just like, am I, am I fighting, am I fighting too hard right now? Do I need to just kind of reset myself? Do I need to just go home? And they're like, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to go home. You know, you can always come back. You're not going home for good. That's when I, you know, I'm like breaking down. I'm like, I just, this is so hard. Like I just, the schools I'm applying to to teach at are like, I, we can give you some classes in a couple of months. And when we do, we can give you maybe one or two, which isn't enough to get a freelance visa in Germany. So the water started to go above my head in January. So I had been in Germany since you know, late July. I think that was the breaking point I was going, I, I can't, I can't not have a place to live. And that, that was, that was the point in which I was like, I need to decide when I need to go home. Yeah, that was the next step in my phase at that point. It's so interesting because, yeah, at the beginning, everything just like came together and you had this 
magical thing that was exactly as you imagined. And then it sounds like pretty naturally and quickly things all fell apart. And it was like this huge uphill battle. And that's such a difficult moment where you're, you're like that question that you asked yourself and your friend, am I fighting too hard? Because obviously you know there's things in life that you have to fight for and when you're trying to make a life in a new country of course you have to put up some level of a fight but i i've always found that to be such a difficult question to answer because i i don't know if it's possible to know in that moment is this an acceptable amount that's like if i just push this last effort things are going to take the turn and it's going to work and it's going to be worth it or am i at that point where it's like Actually, no, like this is literally like this is going so poorly but, and it's so hard because it's wrong, because it's not the right thing. And I need to admit it and get myself into a better place. I mean, I think I guess the only thing you can do in that situation is what you did, which is just ask yourself, you know, look inward and see, really be honest with yourself about how you're feeling. That's such a relatable moment. No matter which side people come down on that question, I think that's one that everyone reaches a point to answer. And I, I don't know, I, I, I want to hear what you think about this, but I do feel like there's like, even though you're being told by someone that, you know, you can always move back and it's not a big issue. I do feel like there's sort of, I don't know where this pressure comes from, but this like sentient pressure that you're, you're not supposed to move back, like that you're supposed to stay and that there might be judgment whether it's from the expat community or just like life in general there's just this feeling of like well you moved abroad so why are you moving back whereas realistically that's always part of the calculation like that's always a choice and there's not any shame or anything to it it's just like that's the right choice for some people so did you feel that like did you feel any of this weird sentient evil energy <laughs> oh absolutely yeah it, the last month or so I would tell multiple people I talked to, I'm like, I feel like I'm failing. You know, I feel like I spent a year or two being so excited about making this plan. And I told tons of people about it. I was just so genuinely excited to make it work. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, this is my story now, isn't it? My story isn't one where I get the room at the last minute. It comes through in the end and I get the job. You know, these are the stories we tend to be more privy to. These are the stories people typically prefer to sit down and write about rather than yeah. the ones where you're like, wow, I feel really defeated right now. And I also have to really be kind to myself and say, it's, it's fine. Like these things happen. It, it's just something that people aren't writing home about as much. There was a sense of pressure to try to fight harder but luckily, I don't know, I, I had lots of people in Germany, though, specifically, who were just so supportive and wonderful, who were just like, oh, Bradley, you know, we care about you, and we really just want you to feel good. And I think that was something that really stuck with me, is the, the people I did connect with, they were just very good about just listening and, and not, not being judged. I did not feel judged by almost anybody there. But I think in the ex-CAT community, I did feel, in some regards, this like pressure that, well, we made it work and, you know, we have been making it work. So maybe it's just something you're missing. Maybe not looking in the right places, white websites, you know, it's like, it was kind of one of those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. That was something I, I kind of encountered a little bit. And I, and I went to Germany totally alone. I feel like X kinds of different circumstances that they're going abroad in. And I didn't think it would have been much better in 
hindsight, if maybe I did have more of a support system initially, I think that's, you know, it's a hard story to write. And I like to think about that experience and anybody who's moving abroad as an experience that you're actively writing as you're living it. Those are stories that pan out in all different ways. And I wonder too if, okay, sometimes I like to paint the world with real rose colored glasses. So, um, so I'm like thinking about like the general expat community and, and how you're saying like this feeling of like, oh, if you just try this thing or uh, did you try, did you look at this website, that kind of thing. I, you know, maybe for those people, maybe their story is that they did move abroad with a family or a partner or a job and they had to make it work because leaving was not as realistic of an option for them. And so, you know, in their narrative, at the end of the day, like if they had to stay there, then they found a way to make it work. And now they're on the other side of it. And so the story that they tell about their experience is that they did just try one last website and one last job application and things did then take a turn. But that may be well and true. But again, I wonder if that's just because it had to be that way. And then, you know, in retrospect, yeah, it's, what you're saying is like, you, it's just how you tell the story, right? And maybe how they told the story is that they struggled, but then persevered and, and came out because that's the story that makes sense to them about their experience. But but that's not actually a realistic lens to look at your story or anyone else's necessarily because the situations are just different. Yeah, and to remember that they're so variant. And yeah, I was. I mean, I was envious of the people once I was there who were for expats who had partners and who had family who spoke German fluently because yeah. I actually had an issue with a wisdom tooth and I had to go to the dentist, which is, it was such a humorous situation because they, a lot of the people there did not speak any English. And I was not at any point in my German learning course <laughs> where I could communicate well in German. So they handed me like this form intake form where you put all the things on it. And they're like, here you go. And I was like, oh, and it's completely in German. Oh. And I Oh, um, and they're like, oh, uh, kind English, you know, there, there's no English version. And then she goes, Google. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I guess so. Sure. So I'm like, all these words that like allergies. Oh, that word means allergies. Okay. I can like listen to allergies here. <laughs> there are so many situations like that where you're like, this is not what we cover in language class for very good reasons. Cause like, why would you need to know dentistry terms? unless you're in this exact situation where you super need to know dentistry terms. <laughs> I know, like, where is my, my person, my German person who can come with me and just translate everything? Right. But it was actually a, a delightful experience, the whole thing, because everybody tried so hard. We, we made it work. In the x-ray room, the woman was, like, gesturing, and she was, forward. And she got so excited because she remembered the word for forward in English. I was oh. like, yes, that is the word. Yay, <laughs> we are all learning together today. <laughs> So when you did come to your decision to leave, what was that process like? Like how quick was it? Were you able to make concrete plans for your next step? Well, it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm a very emotionally brained person and it really helps me to have logical brained people around me. And so my new friend that I made in my German language course, her name's Haruka, and we're, we hung out all the time. We were always going to coffee shops and studying together. And she made me this chart because I was like, I don't know what to decide. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I go home where I'm even going to go. I don't have a home anymore. I'm not going back to Los Angeles. She <laughs> made this beautiful little chart that's like, here's all the pros and cons. And it had little lines drawn. It's like this beautiful web mosaic. And she's like, I think based on all the criteria. And we like looked at values. And this is the decision you should make. So 
it really started when so I started actually dating somebody from my German class, the very first one, and he's from England. And so I was talking to him a lot during this process. So I decided to go visit him for a couple of weeks just to have a place to decompress. And that was really the turning point. Haruka gave me the map of, of glorious logicalness. And then I took a and had my wisdom tooth extracted there because I spoke English and mm-hmm. <laughs> sat down with my boyfriend at the time and was like, I think it's time to go back. And he was like, I think you're right. I think it'll be okay. And, and that's the way it was phrased. It was like, just, just until you figure out the next step. Little did I know the uh, pandemic would be setting in within a week. I think I got, I got back March 3rd and things started shutting down here like a week later. No so it was way. really, so I decided in mid January that March 3rd was going to be the day I was going to leave. I was going to go live with my best friend in Las Vegas. He had a spare room. It was going to be a, a really nice and comfortable environment to come back to and that's the decision I made and I stuck to it because my mode up until that point was I was changing my mind every day. It was driving my, my boyfriend crazy. It's like, oh my gosh, yesterday this was your plan. Like you had, you had mapped it all out. Everything was planned. And then today it's like the opposite. I was like, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm driving you crazy. I just don't know what to do. This is my life and it's, there's nothing stable in it right now. I'm just seeking that stability. You were in the UK from January to early March. Um, like January 18th, like February 7th. This time leads us directly into coronavirus. Jeez. Yeah. So, which is interesting because, so I came back from the UK and then my friend who's in the army, she's like, you can come to me for a couple of weeks before you go back to the US. And I was like, okay, thank you. She's highly allergic to cats. So I was like, I'm sorry. And we had to like walk the cat in my room and make sure everything was sanitized. <laughs> so, but we made it work. I got back to the US and it's interesting because the way the timing is, I'm actually kind of grateful for the timing because I haven't been bombarded with questions like, oh, why are you back? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> People just assume that I'm back because of coronavirus, which I probably would have had it honestly come back anyway because of that. Yeah, man, like that really makes you think about why this all happens. And I don't know, I'm more of the belief that we assign meaning to things. But um, mm-hmm. the, the meaning I'm choosing to assign at this moment is like all of that stuff and all of that timing. But can you imagine if you had stuck it out and pushed through, be it here or in the UK or where, wherever, and you finally get to a place where you're like, okay, I think I've got it all set up. And then coronavirus happens and you know all your freelancing jobs go away and you're just in an even worse position. And then there would be so much more frustration if you had just reached that point when you have to give it up and... Because, you know, around mid-March, late March is when they were saying Americans who are abroad, you need to get wherever you want to be for the duration of this because you can't keep traveling afterwards. So, you know, in your situation, it's so realistic to think that you could have gotten to that point and then basically had to leave it all and go back to the U.S. in such a different state of mind. And that would have been, I think that would have been so much harder, so much more frustrating and heartbreaking that would have been devastating. Oh man, if it would have finally got the room, I yeah. got the, the job. <laughs> yeah. And then mind. Yeah, that would have been quite devastating. I, I've I've counted my lucky stars quite a bit over having come back when I did. And I, I had the best experience there. And I really reframed my thinking about it when I came back too, because I was feeling down about it. I was like, you know what? You but you did it. You know, you still did it. And I learned so much about what it means to do that. 
what it means to go abroad and what it means to do it alone and what it means to do it with a little kitty cat (laughs) or a little carrier. I swear she was on so many trains and planes. And so I I just feel like a renewed sense of hope about all of it. Okay. I, I know what it takes to do this. And the circumstances ended up being this way, but and I, when I was moving to Germany too, I was thinking about going back to school and I really want to get my PhD. So I started applying to schools and I ended up applying to most of the ones in England because the programs were shorter <laughs> and they did have the, the type of program I was looking for is primarily there. And I got into four of the five programs I applied to. Hey. So right now I'm just trying to decide which program to go to and funding stuff. I'm like, okay, at least there's a path somewhere. Like I, I can go abroad again and it's in a different country, but I'll still be close to Germany and all my friends there. And uh, so there's, there's this renewed hope there. At least there's something waiting in the wings. The shelf life of this decision that you made over the, the span of your lifetime is probably going to be a net positive. It's just this, this moment while it's all happening and it's playing out differently than you imagined. And then you hoped for it initially that it's more painful and more any layers of like feelings of failure or shame or something like that, like they pop up. But as soon as you're any amount of removed from that, all of that stuff falls away and it just becomes this like really awesome thing that you did. And then whether you back abroad or not, you did it. And that's never going to be taken away from you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, part of me is thinking, you know, if I get to study for a little while and I get to spend more time who's to say that I won't end up back in Germany, maybe teaching there at a university or something like that. That'd be amazing. I would really love that. But yeah, I I think the the hard part is because my narrative was I'm, I'm going to move abroad and I'm going to stay there. This is going to be my new permanent life. There's like this, this sense of permanence that I, I bestowed upon myself from the beginning but had I just gone in saying, you know, I'm going to go there and, and see what happens and I'm going to do this trial run, I think it would have been a little less stressful. I think that was the part that was hard. It was like you know, the pressure you put on yourself. And and I really felt like maybe I'm just not trying hard enough. You know, maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. And I think that that thinking now that I'm, I've returned to the U.S. and being able to look at that story from this point of view has changed. And I have felt more like I'm going to treasure this forever. I I just, I think about the people there and the the experiences and the places so fondly and that's enough. That's a wonderful note for us to end on. So I'm going to transition us then into the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It's a rapid fire question round where I'm going to ask you three questions that you can answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? I am ready. What is the very first fast food that you ate upon returning to the States? Taco Bell, for sure. Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) Um, Of all of your various adventures abroad, what was your very favorite place that you got to visit? Venice. And what is one habit that you picked up while you were abroad that you keep up now that you're back in the States? Oh, I definitely open my windows in the morning to air out my room. (laughs) (laughs) This is like a superpower I never wanted. But once you become aware of how the quality of the air feels in a room, you can't turn it off. And then you have to be obsessed with airing out. (laughs) That and I get horribly guilty if I wear shoes in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. Um, Brandy, if people want to come find you, get in touch with you, um, where can they do that? 
I'm most active on Instagram at girl goes nomadic. Perfect. I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I, it's definitely one I've been wanting to share for a while and I'm so glad that you were willing to, um, to be so open and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for inviting me. And it was also great getting to meet you in Freiburg and I agree. I'm so glad that your Germany story overlapped with mine. That was a really wonderful experience. Thanks one more time to Brandy for coming onto the expat cast. And thanks again for meeting up and being a friend when you were in Freiburg. It was so great to get to know you. I'll link to Brandy's Instagram in the show notes. And you can also find links there to my Instagram and my Twitter. They're both at the expat cast. Please take a moment and rate and review this show. I love to see new reviews coming in, be it on Podchaser or on Apple Podcasts. You'll write it. I'll see it. And it'll motivate me. It'll keep me going. Thanks, as always, goes to Amy Lungy Art for the logo and to Sidehug for the theme music. You can find them on Instagram at a hug from the side. We'll be back in your feeds Thursday with a brand new mini series where we travel around Germany to take a look into different cities that people might not always think of when they're planning a trip. And we hear from the expats who live there about why they love it, why you should visit, and what you should do while you're there. I can't wait to kick it off by sharing with you guys some tips about my little hometown, Freiburg. Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy, stay safe. Bis dann. Tschüss.